Again, welcome back to Game Devs Quest. This is part two of, I don't know, a Several. gigantic saga of what happened last week. Oh, man. Yeah. So, where are we Wait at here? I'm Rhett. Uh, oh, yeah. My name is Taylor. We, we got to get in the habit of doing that, bro. Yeah. So, there's a few episodes I noticed where we don't, and I'm like, how are they supposed to know who's who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We just disembodied voices. <laughs> um, all right. Anyway, going forward. Hello again. It's been a few minutes since we've last talked to you, listener. Yeah. So funny story. Maybe this is inappropriate, but uh, I so we have two bathrooms in our apartment, and one of them is basically a dedicated cat bathroom. We have our litter box in there, and uh, we pretty much never use it besides like dude, my cat taking that's craps a f- in his. That's in a his first bathroom. world thing if I've ever dude, heard. I it. dude, I know it totally is. I <laughs> my I was, cat bathroom. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so back to my story. I never used that bathroom hardly, but today I, I went in there and I was like just peeing. And I don't know if my cat Otson like like was just kind of weirded out by me being in there or whatever, but he was like really curious about me peeing. And he like <laughs> I'm like standing up like peeing and he's like starts looking and I thought he was like going to jump up and like look in the bowl. But then all of a sudden, he, he gets this really disturbed look on his face, and he kind of, like, shakes around. And I, I think I hit him a little bit with, like, some splashback. And then he just, like, sprinted out of the bathroom. Yeah. Cats are attracted to running water. I know. So, yeah. So you probably in it, dude. It. My cat does that all the time. Really? Oh, that was a first for him. So Yeah. I thought it was really well, funny. Well, my cat, pretty much, like, any time I go into the bathroom, she uh, follows me in there. Like... Uh, pretty like if I'm like dropping a deuce, like she'll come and chill out in the bathroom with me. It's like decompression time for her. Yeah, <laughs> sit on the bath mat, just kind of lay around. Yeah, she'll just sit there. And there's also yeah. like a heater in there because our house sucks. So there's like, well, our house doesn't suck. I actually really like our house, but it doesn't hold heat, um, very well. So like, there's a space heater in the bathroom sometimes. And when I go in there to use it, it's really cold. So I'll turn on the space heater just for a few minutes, and she'll like lay in front of it and just be yeah. like, oh god, yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, all right anyway but hey welcome back let's yeah for real <laughs> god i wanted I to talk a little bit about like because we didn't i mean we did but we didn't we were like kind of wrapping up our week and got like really sidetracked yeah uh, um i i had a little story for you last last weekend uh i went and visited taylor at his home which is like yeah. kind of a feat because he lives like 90 minutes away yeah and, Although uh, I will so, say you're uh, the only, I think you're the only friend. Oh, Kurt did visit me once, but you visited visited me the most out of anyone uh, of my friends. So, cool. you know, friendship level, you're up there, man. Thanks, bro. <laughs> well, uh, I just don't like, you know, distance is definitely like a factor in stuff. But it's like, dude, I go, I go up to Portland and hang out with friends all the time. And that's just as much of a fucking feat to go down to Eugene, you know? Yeah. Um, even though Eugene's a little further for me, it's, it's probably faster like, drive you... though. Right. The traffic. Exactly. Because you just zip down I five and then yeah, traffic. Like once you get up North, dude, it's just like, you want to kill yeah, yourself. I know. God. But 
I don't know. There's a lot of friends I don't see that much because they live places that are kind of far away. But like, I go up and visit John Finkley and Oliver like a few times a year. Nice. Um, and I don't know. I like Eugene. Like going down there for certain stuff. Like when I uh, went to um, go drop off that flash drive for you. Like I was like working down in Eugene again. Had lunch down there. Like pretty glorious. Nice. So yeah. I don't know. Well, you're welcome anytime, Rat. Oh, thanks. But uh, yeah, me and uh, so me and Bailey, my wife, went down and visited uh, Taylor and Alia, his wife, um, and mostly to like I don't know, hang out and talk about Japan because we're going to Japan. But uh, yeah, we had a really fun time, I think. And yeah, dude. You, well, <laughs> so we uh, Rhett, uh, we were planning the day, and I'm like, you know, you guys are welcome to stay as long as you want. And Rhett's like, oh, you know, we probably won't stay that late, like you know. I'm thinking like a long nine, drive. nine o'clock or something. Rhett and Bailey stayed until like one something. <laughs> yeah. And we were just, <laughs> we were just playing board games, just like hanging out, like having a really good time. We, we had a lot of fun and I don't know, like Alia doesn't have a lot of experience, like hanging out with my friends. So like, she was a little bit nervous at first. Like she didn't want to do anything dumb or like embarrass herself or anything. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's going to be great. Like, don't, don't worry. And she had a blast. So dude, Which, the highlight of the night for me, the highlight of the night for me was something she said, Oh my God, dude, I, <laughs> this was so funny. We were playing timeline and the game starts with the person who's youngest. That's in the rules. And then you go clockwise and you play games. Oh God. Er, and and you say. do the thing. And so Bailey goes, it's her turn. And then Taylor's sitting to her left. And so I go, all right, Taylor, it's your turn. And you're like, no, Rhett, it's your turn. You're the youngest. And Alia goes, Taylor, you've played games before. <laughs> <laughs> but she said it in like the most like endearing way possible. <laughs> Oh my god, dude. That was so uh, funny. Yeah. <laughs> Zing. You played games before. Uh yeah. She does that sometimes. Uh, uh Yeah, any anyways, uh what were you, what was your story? Was that your story? Right. No, no. My story was this, dude. So I've worked I've worked a lot in Eugene over the last year or so. Um and I've worked late in Eugene a lot of times. So like I was confident in my leaving of Eugene, that, like, you know, I got onto the freeway, and, like, once I got to a certain point, I was like, I can just kind of, like, open it up and get us home. Because, like, Bailey was really tired, and she had, like, a lot of schoolwork to do the next day. The next day was Easter. Yeah. <laughs> All right. She had a lot of schoolwork to do, and we had family stuff to do. So we get on the freeway, and I'm cruising along, to do and I'm like, all right, time to get home. So I like pass his truck and I really kind of just like, and the, and Bailey's car always gets away from me as well. Like it doesn't have cruise control. So if I'm not paying attention, it gets away from me, but I was also driving fast on purpose. So I'm going and I'm like, Oh shit. That's a state trooper right there. Oh shit. He's oh, speed God. gunning me. Oh God. <laughs> so, so I like, I lower it's a manual. So I shift down into a really low gear, just like, like slow it down, like really bad. And I'm going and I get into the next lane. I'm like, fuck, he saw me. And of course he comes up right behind me right away, pulls me over. (laughs) I get over and he comes over. And luckily like, dude, this is like the blessing of disguise of like traveling with Bailey. Yeah. Like 
because I've been pulled over with Bailey in her car three times. I have a joke that her car is unpulloverable, but it always happens late at night, and she's like, "Get me home." So I'm driving yeah. really fast. Yeah. <laughs> and the cop always sees Bailey, and I swear to God, like because I'm with Bailey, the cop like cuts me slack. I've been pulled over three times in her car for speeding significantly, and always gotten warnings. So this cop comes over and is like, uh, "Hey." You were going 95 miles an hour. What the hell? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm sorry, officer. I was, I, it's late. I was just trying to get us home. Uh, we stayed out later than we meant and we live like past Salem. So I was just trying to shave our time down. Just honest with him. And he goes, all right, give me your license and everything. So I give it to him. And he was joking with us. He was like, what, do you guys have a curfew? And we're like, no, no. And he's like, no, I'm just joking with you. Like, that was a 17-year-old girl I pulled over earlier. She's like, I have a curfew and my dad's going to get me in trouble. Like, he literally <laughs> mimed, mimicked this girl in that voice. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Uh, like, he's having a good day so far. So I was just honest with him and all this stuff. He came back and he's like, all right. And he goes, the way I see it, there's two scenarios. The first scenario is I give you a $500 ticket. The second scenario is I have never, I never pulled you over. And you're speeding along and crash and you guys don't get home and something bad happens like that. And I was like, oh, damn. I was like, I'm sensing a third scenario here. And he goes, but I'm going to give you guys a warning. He's like, keep it at the speed limit, please. And I was like, (laughs) oh, okay. Will do, officer. Thank you so much. And he's like, drive safe. And he just left without another hitch. So that's my story. (laughs) <laughs> could have had a $500 speeding ticket, apparently. Uh, dude, you know what's really weird? I mean, you might be saying this, and I'm, like, conjuring this up in my brain, but I, like, had this weird feeling that, like, you might have gotten, like, pulled over or something. I don't know. Like, I, yeah. I kind of felt like something, since you, since you guys stayed so late, I kind of felt like something weird was going to happen. Yeah. But, I kind of had that, never too, when we were leaving. And I, and I didn't, I didn't think about it, but... Yeah, well, I thought about texting you and just saying, like, when we got home, like, hey, I'm home, got pulled over, ha, ha, ha. Um, (laughs) But I forgot to text you. And then Bailey was also, at first she was kind of embarrassed about it because she's like, God, you do this happens all the time to you. (laughs) (laughs) But then, like, at Easter, she was like, she was like, it was like the funny story. Yeah, so she was, like, having me tell her family. I'm like, why do you want me to tell your family how I endangered your life? (laughs) (laughs) Um, but after wow. that, like, yeah, was, she eased up on it. And so I don't know. Nice, dude. I'm, awesome. I'm sure I'm okay telling you and the world. <laughs> oh man. Um, well, this is, uh, relating going back to board games. Uh, two things. Um, one is international tabletop day, which we'll talk about in a second. The other is we've been hanging on to this game for like a long time. So Allie's mom bought, um, this game called the castles of burgundy and i think she bought it because she like speaks french kind of and you know likes france so she thought it'd be kind of cool you know but uh we've been hanging on to it for a while ali and i usually play like a board game i don't know maybe like four or five times a week like uh, carcassonne or like pandemic or even just like cribbage we're big cribbage players and uh finally i was like all right we're gonna play this game like, let's learn how to play this, like, sometime this week. So, we ended up playing Castles of Burgundy one day, and uh, the rule book is, like, pretty thick. I mean, it's not that bad. It's, like, 12 pages, but it's, like, tall pages, you know, and, like, really small font. 
And we sat there and we learned this game for like probably two hours. And like the board is crazy. Like, I, well, they have they have like probably 200 to 300 like little punch out like token kind of pieces, like cardboard little tokens. And they all they all are color coded and like have different things on them. You like separate them into these different piles. And then the board just is like cluttered, like tons of stuff all over. You have like a like a counter around the edge and then like all these different like zones on the board. And then each individual player gets his own type of board. Basically, it's kind of like a Settlers of Catan or like Puerto Rico kind of game where like you uh, try and like pick up pieces and like build buildings and things like that to acquire victory points, basically. So we ended up playing this game for like probably six hours one day. <laughs> Dude, it like dominated our lives for like this week. Where like Alia, <laughs> Alia like is not really a gamer. Like she doesn't really play video games. She does play a couple mobile games, but she doesn't like she hadn't really gotten into board games until maybe like this last Christmas when we bought a couple. And dude, she was like texting me during the day, like, when are we gonna play Burgundy? Like, I can't stop <laughs> thinking about Burgundy. I'm like, yes, this is awesome. So we've played it like several times. The games are kind of long. They're like, I mean, long for us. They're like two hours, but uh, it's just a lot of fun, really in depth. And I guess it's rated number ten on Board Game Geek, uh, which is pretty oh, good. Nice. So it's a lot of fun. She's been kicking my butt though. Like, um, I beat her the very first game. Then like the next game, she beat me by like forty victory points. And then uh, <laughs> the last couple have been close, but she keeps like, just like having one move that just like screws me over and uh and i end up losing but it's been fun and she like having her being good at the game and like just really loving the mechanics makes it so awesome because sometimes you know i i'm nervous that she's not gonna like one of the games that i want to play with her or whatever so it's been a lot of fun yeah um so i posted a picture of it on our twitter if you guys want to see like what one of the board game or what one of the the games looked like but uh Definitely check it out, Castles of Burgundy. It's a lot of fun. I think maybe sometime, um, if it's not too much to learn, uh, it'd be fun to play with you guys. Especially because, oh, yeah, like, sure. like two with two players, the game is like, you know, it's still complicated. But like seeing it with four players, I, dude, I feel like it'd just be chaotic. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, next time, next time we hang out, we should we should play. Um, another game we play what did we play we played dixit and timeline right yeah those were both really which fun. which are yeah i i really love timeline like uh I don't, over the years um and i might have talked about this on the podcast so i won't go too crazy in it but like pretty much since i hit the age of like 18 my attention span has just like taken a beating really? for life <laughs> yeah so it's like a lot harder for me to like stay up on my reading it's a lot harder for me to work on projects like i and part of it is like that i like you know i turned 18 and i had a girlfriend and you know so i was more interested in hanging out with my girlfriend than i was staying up all night working on like a fruity loops project or writing or whatever and um you know even like playing a game that like wasn't dota was like really hard for me to focus on (laughs) And honestly, I do contribute it to my time in Monster Addict, my old band, where our longest song was two minutes. <laughs> um, 
And I remember like going back and like we would jam our songs and like our shortest song was like three and a half minutes. And that just felt like a mother effing eternity. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We had a problem though with writing songs and then like somehow we would end up reusing the same stuff so many times in that song that the song would be like six to seven minutes and it really wasn't even that exciting. Yeah, I agree. The only song that's really long that we have that I like all the way through is alternative endings Alternate or alternate endings or whatever yeah. it's called. The one that we talked about in the last podcast with your drum solo thing. Yeah. Um, I like that one because it's kind of like more of like a narrative arc type of song than like verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Even though like there is clearly like parts that we reuse, like they're yeah. different in their own subtle way each time. Right. Um, and it's kind of, I don't know. That's like my favorite song we've ever written uh, together. I like uh, uh, Birth of Zion. Well, I like Birth of Zion too. I guess I know, that's a different um, band, I guess, but Yeah, I guess I guess it is. Dude, I uh went onto our MySpace the other day. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> and I listened to the Birth of Zion, the first like recording we ever did of it, like on the like on a MP3 player, like we just recorded it or whatever. Yeah. And uh, holy shit, dude, we play that song at like lightning speed in the first part really? of it. Or no, 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 not Birth of Zion. I'm so sorry. Ha- uh, Hat Jack. Oh, oh dude, dude, yeah, Hat Jack. We Hat- play that song so fucking <laughs> fast. Like what? I know, dude. <laughs> but it's just like, uh, dude, oh my god. I, I love so when we when we went and recorded at the Willamette um, studio Rec- for yeah. my like recording class. Like, that set of songs, like, I feel like really meshed well together. Like, yeah. we have uh, Death by Planets, which is, like, probably one of our heaviest songs. And yeah, that's then, one of my favorites that we've written, too. Because it was like, I was like, oh, we can write metal songs. Yeah. And we did. Like, that we was did, such yeah. a metal song, dude. Yeah, totally. And then uh, Hat Jack is very metal. Like, very, yeah. uh, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Almost like... Well, just melodic, you know, like your yeah. guitar leads it the whole way. Um, and then I love our outro song because it fits with uh, with those. Hat Jack, especially. Yeah, with those. But I, also... I really like Birth of Zion, too. I, I really like the guitar work in Birth of Zion and everything. Like, it's yeah. just a fun song. Yeah, for sure. I think it's our most well-rounded <laughs> song we ever wrote, personally. Yeah. But, uh, hey, I don't know if people are interested, but we could always post that music. It's it's not great or anything, but it was kind of like our childhood, like learning about music, like first attempts at band, like being in band. Well, and that and, was like our the establishment of our friendship too. Yeah, you know? for like, sure. We were in band together and, and you guys had formed a band and I was kind of like the outsider. And um, then like I started jamming with John Blatchford and like learned guitar um well that was key were... dude yeah we were both drummers and so it was yeah. like we don't you know and then yeah. and then you just picked up guitar like and were really good instantly so yeah <laughs> well i wasn't really good but you were good enough to like pull off you know like rock songs like we i think the first time we jammed we jammed like nirvana songs for like you know an hour yeah. or something well i know like every nirvana song yeah <laughs> <laughs> i know i know but uh yeah but, dude that was a lot of fun and we were also like just really kind of getting into metal like kind of our own yeah. taste like i had been listening to metal for several years at that point but i was really like once you and john got excited about metal dude i was like digging for good metal bands 
And, yeah, and then I, it was dude, it's kind of crazy to remember back on that because, dude, even when I had gone with you guys, like you guys were like, yeah, uh, this band we like called Destroy the Runner, like they're going to be at the Satyricon, which is this like little metal club, like where all these bands play. And dude, at that point, like I liked music, but honestly, the only bands that I really enjoyed that much were Nirvana and System of a Down. <laughs> and uh, and so you guys had like showed that music to me and I was like, ah, I just don't know. We went to the show and I was just like fucking blown away. <laughs> like I was just like, this is a fucking amazing. And that was the night like that I started really enjoying metal. Well, dude, that the Satyricon like changed my life as far as like going to shows and like being interested in metal. Cause like, so the Satyricon, I don't think it even exists anymore, but it's like this tiny, yeah, like, closed bar basically that there was like this separate room in the back that probably held like i don't know 50 to 100 people it's really small club really small but like some of these now big name bands would go through there like like we saw august burns red there several times before they were big you know i know i told somebody once that i saw august burns red there and um and they were just like, what? Like, well, remember, and I was like, yeah, I was in the front row. And they were like, what? Yeah, dude. <laughs> we went there one time. So um, the second time we saw them, uh, they had released, what's their second album called? Uh, uh, Messengers. Messengers. And it was like me, Rhett, and John, and maybe like Cody or somebody. And we were like front row. And like literally their lead singer was like leaning his knees on John's shoulders, like to hoist himself up. And like yeah. we had this running joke forever about like John just like what what was it we were like show me show the money, me the money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we teased John about that for so long but dude like I still say that to him sometimes <laughs> uh, it's so classic man but yeah. now like you never get that with any of those bands and we were like we were getting into these bands that weren't big at the time and we kind of like yeah. watched them grow from the ground yeah. up so. It Which was, was a- fun because that was part of the inspiration for us. It's like, oh, dude, these guys were like nobodies, and now they're huge. Like, yeah. well, you, yeah, it dude. gives you kind of like a template to follow, like to do it yourself. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like some one of the tours we went to was like the Young Blood tour or something like that. Yeah, that was that. the first one. Yeah, and it was like that all was these destroy bands. The runner. That, yeah, August Burns Red, Destroy the Runner. Uh, I can't remember who else. What was the fourth band? Who, oh, Burns Red the was... Chariot headlined that, didn't they? Oh, yeah, the Chariot, yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, later went on to just be, like, one of my favorite bands ever, dude. Well, like, and we left early, I think, for the Chariot for some reason. Yeah, we were tired. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, like, d- that that venue just really, like, changed my life, I, I think. Like, I was, after that, like, I wanted to be, like, a rock star, basically. And I wanted well, to, like, just pursue music and... And then we went up to shows like, God, like All the it time. seemed like once a month or something for like two or three years. Which was like um, a feat when you're in high school and like. Yeah, dude. We'd come back know. like all dead tired from the show before and we'd be wearing like. Two o'clock in the morning from... on a school night. <laughs> yeah. We have like our merch from the, the night before and everyone's like, oh, you went to a metal show? Oh, that's awesome. You know, like we felt yeah. cool at least. Yeah. For real, dude. But. Yeah, Anyways, those were good times. Those and, were good uh, times. I and it. I remember, like, my goal. I remember my goal back then. I was like, I want to go like and do a tour like these guys. And then when I finally got to do it, I was like, this sucks. 
<laughs> I know, dude. I remember like wanting during the summer one year. I think like summer of freshman year. I was like, dude, we got to plan a tour. We never did. I think we, we should went to, have. We should have. We went to Waldport several times and played over there, which was kind of like going on to a long a way, bit. dude. It's more yeah, than three like, hours away. Yeah. Me and but. Kane all the time, just being him, we drove uh, like to Seattle for to play one show and come home Dang. that same night. Oh man, yeah, that's crazy. But, but it was fun, dude. Like, yeah. I don't know, those, those were times, times were like really, really formative. Yeah, same here. Um, I really liked playing music, and then we had some like really fun shows, like up in Vancouver and stuff yeah, like Peppers. that. And we Shanahan's. had a little, we had like a second go. Like we kind of. Things like winded down, like when the rest of our band quit and we went on to another thing. But you know, we had a second go at it when John came back for a short time, and uh, I don't know. I always had yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, same here, man. Anyways, that was um, way off topic, but good to talk yeah. about. If anybody else is into music, man, feel free to hit us up about music too. We love that shit, obviously, because yeah. I I post links to music. I make uh, part <laughs> of game dev uh, practice. So yeah, that one um, that you posted this week was really good. By the way, yeah, I had a lot of fun working on music this week. I don't know, I've just been like in such a music mood, so that's cool. Probably oh. why we got off topic there. That's okay. Um, um, well, going back to board games, <laughs> uh, <laughs> is that how we got here? Somehow, God, yeah, I, I don't so. know how, man. Just winding everywhere. Um, so this uh, this coming Saturday, or not? No, not this next Saturday uh, is International Tabletop Day, right? Is that what it's International called? Tabletop Day will have passed by the time you guys are listening to this, but yeah. April twenty ninth yep. is Inter- International Tabletop Day. We've uh, made a habit of like the last three or four years of playing games together. Yep. Um, my brother has kind of been a, like a big advocate for that, and kind of has organized it. And we've done it at his office. Um, <clears throat> but uh, this year we might be doing it somewhere else. But yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Me too, man. We're going to be playing a game called Shogun, which has kind of been our, our classic standby for International Tabletop Day. Yeah. Um, if anybody well, hasn't played it, too. like... What? It's fitting, too, since going to Japan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're going to Japan. And if anybody doesn't know this game, look it up. Uh, now it's look up, by uh, the name Ikuza, or Ikusa, or whatever. Yeah. You I-K-U-S-A. can still look up Shogun. Just look up Shogun. Milton Bradley, and oh, you can okay. see the one that we're going to be playing. It goes for like two hundred dollars on eBay. Um, I bought Ikuza for like sixty, and it's basically the same, but some of the pieces are a little bit different. I remember there being like different rules about like maybe like the ninja or something, or maybe it's pretty close though. Yeah, Anyways. but uh, we're going to be playing that, and uh, I think we're going to have a good time. I always enjoy playing it. Um, Last year we played a game that I was super proud of. I know Taylor didn't have a super fun time, and I wish we could have got all of us gotten together to like keep playing it because that was like the most fun I've had ever playing a pen and paper RPG. Um, and it was this this indie RPG game, and I, I think it's kind of fitting actually that like now we're kind of into game dev and like I know it's not quite the same thing, but these guys like they were indie RPG developers and they made this game called Urban Shadows, which honestly is. It's just so fast-paced and moving, and everybody gets involved in like the storytelling, and and I think ideally, like it would be the most fun that I have RPGing, um, but sadly, just couldn't get everyone together to do it more often. So yeah. we're gonna just go to one that we can one off and not have to worry sure. about it. I mean, for those kind of games, we could almost do it all online. My buddy, yeah, uh, we could. My buddy Danny, um, who I play uh, Divinity with. 
him and his friends do D and D. Like one of his friends, he lives in Washington. I live in Oregon, and one of his friends li- lives in Vermont, and they play D and D once a week. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so. uh, we have some guys that we do that with. We have like a <clears throat> a fun. Uh, D&D app that you can use that has like dice rolls and people can like move miniatures on the screen oh, and stuff. Oh cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Nice. Um and there's more and more coming out that you can that you can do that way and just you know, you hop on Curse or Skype or whatever and and talk while you do it and the dice rolls are visible on the screen and Yeah. That's really um, cool. We could yeah, try that fun. sometime maybe. We can talk about yeah, that I'd be at down. the uh, tabletop day. Yeah. yeah, uh yeah. Shogun's really fun. We played it several times. It's ba- it's a lot like Risk, um, right? But but there's like the mechanics. More, yeah, it's way more involved. It's uh somebody told me once that it's a lot more like Axis and Allies, which I've only played like once years ago. Uh, I've never played um, it, but always have wanted to. But this game has like development. Like you can fortify uh, different uh, provinces and stuff, and you can and you get money instead of getting reinforcements like in risk you get money and then you can spend the money on adding reinforcements to your soldiers or basically like building infrastructure like in a province like a castle to like help defend that province um which like increases like your chance of like when you're defending from there Um, you can also spend money on mercenaries that last a turn and the mercenaries are secret you know Um, oh right yeah so like somebody attacks you, like you can just be like, "Well, here are all of my Ronin," and then you flip them over, and they're like, "Oh shit!" Yeah. Um, you can well, also spend money to hire a ninja to like help assassinate generals, because each player has three generals, which is how you move your armies across the maps. That's and, my like, the favorite part of the like, game. Generals can like level up and get bonuses and stuff. Like it's crazy, dude. Yeah. It's so fun. Like so, the generals are daimyo, and the daimyo yeah. like you have a marker on the board. But then you have like a separate card that holds the daimyo and all of the members of his army. Um, and then you have like different kinds of units. Like you have uh, like swordsmen, you have archers, pikemen, pikemen you have uh, otherwise called Ashi- Ashigaru. Ashigaru, yeah. Um, then there's like riflemen as well. And the, the thing that I found, I mean, I never had played too many games with like multi sided dice or whatever, but. Um, you know, I came from a risk, like Lord of the Rings risk. I played the crap out of that, but this game, it's really cool. Cause like there's a, like a certain phase basically where a certain units will attack first. And each yeah. of those units oh, yeah. have different types of roles where you yeah. roll and like, you have a range that counts as hit and a range that's miss. And uh, like, I believe archers are more accurate, but they're more expensive to buy. And yeah. then, like, the riflemen... And they attack first, I think, too. Right, and they attack first. And same with riflemen. Um, and the riflemen, like, have a... Uh, their window is smaller, their but they're just smaller. as, like, powerful in a way. Yeah, but it's cool, because you, you build up your, your army, and there's variety, and then, like, you know, just having it on that little card, too, I feel like is cool. Um, oh, yeah. And then with <laughs> the ninja, the cool thing is with the ninja, you can assa- try to assassinate another player's daimyo, and if you're successful, it like disables that daimyo, basically. Yeah. So like you can't use that army or something like that. But yeah, it's it's honestly my favorite board game, pretty much of all time. And um, it's just so fun. And and it came out in an era when board games like that were not very popular. So yeah, that's why uh, you probably might not have ever heard of it. Right. And we we managed to get it at some shit hobby store one time and uh it's just like oh yes 
<laughs> and it's fun. You know, you have your phase at the beginning where everybody assigns their money at the same time. Like you earn money based on how many provinces you have. And then you assign that money at the beginning. And then everybody like reveals how they spent it at the same time. And like the ninja works on it like a bidding thing. Whoever bids the highest on the ninja gets it. Sometimes you get it if because you, you're the only bidder. But other times, like, you bid one, another guy bids three, and then one guy really wanted that ninja, so he bids five. And everybody loses their money <laughs> that they spent on it. But the person with the highest bid gets the ninja, and then they can do whatever they want with it. Yeah. And um, I don't know. That game's it's, – uh, It's super fun. It also lasts forever. Fun. Like, the first time I played it, it was, like, a summer night, and we, like, were in Jason's garage. And I think I Dude, showed up was... at, like, eight, and I left at, like, five or six in the morning. <laughs> yeah it had to have been that was right after my niece was born eve or it had to be yeah. eve yeah yeah, yeah we played dude. right after she was born and they got home and they were home for like a week <laughs> and jason was in big trouble because he had invited everyone over to play that game and lex had to like take care of the baby on her own <laughs> it was like right <laughs> after she was born <laughs> oh yeah good times don't do that listener respect <laughs> your family time oh man all right, well, that uh, wraps that section up. We still have, like, yeah. eight to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about switching gears, going back to game dev, finally, an hour and 30 minutes in. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about our game a little bit, because we did make some good progress. We, uh, we worked on our game, I think, for maybe, like, two or three hours last Saturday or Sunday or something. I don't remember exactly, but... Um, so we did some cool stuff. Um, last week we kind of wrapped up the section where Smile and Donnie, like the intro fight scene. Um, so you get out of that basically, and then you kind of like reach the town. Um, so this week we started um, basically trying to implement locations in the town. Um, we focused on the tavern since we had already kind of started that a few weeks ago. And... Uh, we got a little bit sidetracked, to be honest. Like we were, we were creating. Hello, these... sidetracked. Well, okay, yeah. We basically spent the whole day making a mini game that would be like located inside of the tavern, <laughs> um, and it was a lot of fun. We uh, were working on implementing blackjack as like some some kind of activity you could do inside of the tavern. We wanted there to be some kind of gambling there, you know, because like if you get to a location in the city. Like, what can you do? Like, it's not that exciting if you just go into a location and it, like, prints off the player or the, the characters there. Or, like, you know, you can buy an item from a shop and that's it, you know. So we wanted to give it a lot of variety. And uh, we found some cool stuff. We, uh, Rhett, Rhett found that we could use, like, the symbols for cards, you know, like the suits. So, like, spades and diamonds and clubs and everything. Um we had some trouble getting that working, but we figured out that you could change the uh, like the character set uh, to use. I think it was did we switch to UTF sixteen? Like it needed a, a bigger range of characters, um, right? To be able to recognize those, because like for a while we were we were trying to print like a the symbols, and all we got were just like question marks. Um, let me pull up the project. I want to actually get that line of code. Um, you want to talk a little bit more about that while I do that? Maybe like the uh, classes that we made. That right. Well, uh, 
Yeah, we really did get sucked into this because I was just like, it would be so fun to have something, you know, like, I don't know, um, like a mini game that can just be something that you sink time into within the game. Because all my favorite games have mini games that you can just sink all your time into. Um, like KOTOR, for example, has like their own version of like 21 or something that's uh, like, like Pazak. Uh, Sabak is the real version um, in the in like the extended universe. And then in KOTOR, it's called Puzzock, oh. <laughs> uh, which is like a different game, I think. But it's like, you know, they just wanted to have a card game that they could talk about like Sabak. Yeah. Um, and uh, God, how nerdier am I that I fucking <laughs> remember that? Can tell you about that. Um, well, dude, actually, you're like the uh, lore master when it comes to anything. So. No, that's not true. But well. Star Wars is one of my big ones. Um, Han Solo in the in the extended universe that doesn't exist anymore. He won the Millennium Falcon uh, in a Sabacc tournament right. um, from dude. Lando Calrissian. Actually, it was Lando's ship, and then. They were got to like the the Sabak finals, and it was them going like heads up, and they were like gambling huge, huge stuff. And Lando put his ship up, and uh, Han won it, and it became his like pride and joy. He loved that ship. Yeah, and so you couldn't tell from the movies. Rhett, uh, Rhett inspired me to read the Han Solo trilogy, which are some of my favorite books. I haven't, I hadn't read any Star Wars books, but last year I read all three of those. They are really good, and I, I don't think that they're part of the universe. Or they're not canon, technically anymore, right? Not anymore. Since uh, Disney acquired Star Wars, uh, the first decree that they made was that any extended universe, like anything that wasn't, um, like film, basically, was not canon anymore. So really? the Clone Wars animated series is canon. Okay. Um, which is great because honestly, dude, the animated series of of Clone Wars is badass. If you have really? not seen it and you're a fan of Star Wars, go watch it. Um, yeah, I haven't read and haven't uh, only and like the movies and like that was it pretty much. And like Star Wars Rebels is canon, the new animated series. Uh, what about really the good. video games? The video games are no longer canon. Okay, wow. So none Dang. of the books are canon, but that really bummed me out. And anybody can go listen to me bitch about this on Duel of Tanks, my other <laughs> podcast. Yeah, seriously. Um, it really bummed me out when they announced that because like, I've s- spent so much of my freaking time reading these books and playing these games and being just obsessed with the lore of Star Wars. Um, and But what changed my mind was Timothy Zahn, the author of uh, one of the best trilogies in the, the Star Wars first, universe. right? Uh, yeah, pretty much the, the first extended universe books that really came out. Yeah, uh, they uh, been have been nicknamed the Thrawn trilogy because they introduce us to um, a bad guy called Grand Admiral Thrawn, um, who honestly I think is pretty much was always like the best bad guy in the entire Star Wars lore because he wasn't just like evil for the sake of evil or like he was a bad guy because he worked for the Empire and he was conquering planets, but. He was really smart and really cultured, and he thought what he was doing was, like, the right thing, you know? Um, And uh, he believed in, like, conquering cultures through, like, understanding them. Like, he would would basically consume a culture's art, and he believed that by, like, understanding their art and their culture that you could better conquer them, Um, which is just crazy, like... The the Thrawn trilogy is another one that I want to read. Um, yeah, I highly recommend it. I'm not uh, uh, like t- obsessed with with reading all of them or something because there's like forty or 50 no, no, or and whatever. you never could. And there are some really bad ones. Yeah, there are some really bad ones. But, but uh, Thrawn 
is really good. And um, Timothy Zahn, the author of it, he had come out after they said, and he goes, look, they've said that this stuff isn't canon, but they didn't say that it was going in the garbage can. And to me, I read between the lines and I was like, oh, he knows something we don't. (laughs) And I started thinking, I was like, okay, they're going to fucking recycle all the best parts of the extended universe and throw out the garbage. Yeah. And to me, when Timothy Zahn said that, I said, all right, Thrawn's coming back. Like, he's going to be real. And now he is. I think he was on Rebels. Was he? Uh, he might have been. And they've they've written a new extended universe book called Thrawn. And I bet you Thrawn, like, will make an appearance in some of the movies, you know? Like, yeah. I don't know. We'll see what happens, but... I bet you Thrawn will be in some of the movies at some point. Um, yeah, man. Well, I'm excited. I mean, how could you throw away the like most beloved bad guy other than like Darth Vader? You right. know, it's just mind-boggling. And so, and I think like they're going to come out and create a bunch of like Ben uh, or you know Kylo Ren. Like he's basically Han Solo's child, like in the books, like Jason Solo. He's like kind of a combination of like Jason Solo and Jaina Solo, hmm. um, except his name's Ben. Um, <laughs> Probably did confuse and, you. Yeah, well, it could be. And then, like, Ray, if you look at the way Ray's dressed, like, she's dressed just like Bastila from Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 1. That's true. Like, and she has, like, the staff thing that she uses. Bastila yeah. uses a staff thing. True. And a double-bladed lightsaber. So it's like, it's like they are recycling these things. And, like, the mask of Kylo Ren looks like the mask of Darth Revan from KOTOR. So I think we're going to be happy with what Disney does. And honestly, I am like Rogue One was like probably my favorite Star Wars movie after Empire Strikes Back. It was really? so fucking amazing. So, you know, I I mean, I enjoyed it, but I actually wasn't like that in, into it personally. Like, I don't know. I I'm well, and this goes back to me being tired of superhero movies. It's me being tired of just like copious amounts of action in movies and like probably like the last like 30 or 40 minutes of that movie was all just action yeah which i mean Um, i don't know i would i did there were a lot there were a lot of things that i enjoyed like some of the um kind of tribute stuff to to it to older movies and stuff but Mega spoiler alerts if you haven't seen Rogue One. And if you haven't seen Rogue One, what the fuck are you doing listening to this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, We welcome you. But I am giving you a spoiler warning right now. Um, Look, I kind of agree with what you're saying. Um, But to me, it represented some of the best in Star Wars because, (sighs) because of a number of things. Like for one like there was no jedi in it really i guess darth vader was in it briefly which by the way like i kind of suspected was going to happen like he was going to be in it but you forget about it when the movie's happening dude when you hear him breathing in the dark hallway and you see these guys trying to escape yeah and then there's lightsaber and then that guy dude he's like trying to get the fucking death star plans like through the door and he's like (laughs) oh god like just grab the damn thing and run (laughs) like yeah. I honestly, in my heart of hearts, believed that the rebellion was about to end. <laughs> I was like, yeah. holy fuck. I was like, I it's mean, over, dude. Darth Vader just won. The Empire just won. Yeah. And then, of course, he gets it through and they get on the Tantive Four or whatever that ship is and uh, and fly away. And I was like, oh. what I speaking <sighs> like, of that ship, <laughs> what I thought was I found a lot of like the the 
really specific well what do i want to say like the really little things that they did in that movie interesting like i i really enjoyed seeing the that kind of ship ram into the i'm blanking on the names yeah. of all of them but you know you see these like the star destroyer yeah uh you see these ships that you've seen for your whole life basically and didn't realize that they had that kind of ability you know like oh that's why they're shaped that way they're like battering rams you know that was cool <laughs> um i also kind of even though it was a little bit cheesy i did like the throwbacks to like the old footage of the x-wing fighters and stuff i i thought that the yeah. uh um animating like the different characters I I wasn't I, tell you, I wasn't the biggest it, fan, but I understand why they did it. Yeah, um, the guy that they had playing um, Grand Moff Tarkin did really well. Dude, his um, voice sounded like identical. You may fire when ready. Yeah, I know. I was blown away by that. I was like, "Is that him?" Yeah. <laughs> I was like, did they take his voice like yeah, from dude. the original? I was like, I thought he died. Yeah. And then you know, I googled him. Like, yeah, he did. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, he died um, a long time ago. And uh, I'll, I'll uh, so I lo- I really love the Darth Vader scene, like because it did remove me from what I already knew so effectively that I believed that, like the out the the like the the impact on the Star Wars universe like was gonna change it forever. I was like the re- the rebellion ends, and then afterwards I was like, oh right, there's three more movies about the rebellion. <laughs> um, yeah, I loved some of that like the CG effects that they did. Like, dude, when the Death Star comes up over that planet, uh, Oh yeah, dude, that was sick. And you see the shadow of it. And then it like, my favorite scene of almost like one of my favorite shots of almost any Star Wars movie so far was in Rogue One when it blows up the planet. Well, first of all, you see the shadow like eclipse over the planet and then they fire and all this crazy shit happens. And I thought the explosion was like a little overdone, but we got to see what the Death Star was like, kind of, from the ground, which was amazing. Like, we haven't seen that yet. And and then, but what's more is, like, they get on the ship and they're flying away. And, you know, they're not going to escape. And fucking Cassian reaches up and he starts, like, punching in the stuff. And K2 goes, I haven't finished my calculations. He's like, I'll finish them for you. And whoosh, he punches into light speed. And everything freezes. And the ship just, like, whoop. Like, zips away. Like, real light speed. And then the fucking thing, the camera, like, pans over to the bridge of the Death Star. And the explosion is just, like, slowly drifting into space. And they're like, this was better than all of our expectations, you know? Like, that shot from when he punches into light speed, everything freezes, and they just zip out, and then it pans to the Death Star, like, seamlessly. I was just like, holy shit. Like, whoever (laughs) thought to do that was a motherfucker fucking genius like i don't know that just like pandered to all of my like my base movie desires um yeah dude well i mean there there are definitely some some parts that i really enjoyed i also just like they did in uh episode seven i like that they're branching out as far as like the cast goes i heard a lot of people talk about how like just refreshing it was to feel like they were represented in a star Wars movie, which I thought was cool. Yeah. And then also like, I know there was kind of some stereotypical stuff with like Donnie Yen, but then his, his friend who was like this really strong guy, you know, big Polynesian guy. Yeah. 
um I don't know. He he had some like tender moments. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Which was great. Yeah, like, I thought that was really awesome, dude. Like you and you did kind of have the stereotypical stuff with Donnie Yen, but it was cool that like, he had like a disability. Yeah, and he like that too. you know, and and one of my favorite like a couple of my favorite scenes were when he would like ask his friend. Uh, I can't remember his friend's name, but uh, he'd ask his friend a question about how something looks, and he would just answer him. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Which, that's one of my favorite things about the show Daredevil. Because he's blind in Daredevil. Mm, right. And and they do it so well. And it's cool to just see, like, uh, these things be represented in, like, a really fun, neat way. Like, you don't get disabilities like that represented nicely and cool on movies and film. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. I really enjoyed <laughs> that. And then even, the, like, the one guy, uh, the pilot who they help out, like, he was Middle Eastern. Yeah, dude. Like, that was really well, cool. Well, I read and something. And then you have Cassian, who had some sort of, like, Hispanic accent or something. Yeah. And, like, that was one of the number one things I heard coming out of the theater was, like, people were, like, like, I heard a little kid being, like, oh, he talks like you, dad. Like, yeah. a Hispanic kid talking to his dad. That guy talked like you. And I was, like, right. oh, fuck. That just, like, melted my heart a little bit, you know? Well, and with the kind of Middle Eastern character... Like he was, um, you know, like running away from. How did that work? Now, now. Yeah, he was running away from the empire to defect to the rebellion. What did I? Never mind. Disregard what I was going to say. I read something about that that seemed very like, you know, because like oftentimes when people think about Middle Eastern people, they're the bad guys. They're the bad guys. They're terrorists or whatever. And I guess yeah. In some ways, the rebellion is kind of a ter- like a, ter- a terrorist organization. Terrorist organization, I mean, but think the about good all the guys. civilians they killed when they blew up the Death Star. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Okay, never mind. Disregard what I was going to say. But no, I thought the same thing. But you can th- like, I if you disregard that aspect of it, he is a good guy yeah. for the sake of the movie. He's right. like a protagonist. Right. And he's leaving the evil people to like help the good people. Right. So I, I read a lot of people were satisfied with the way that he was portrayed. And right. he got, was a Middle Eastern actor who well, didn't have to cover up his accent. Yeah. And and he kind of was like a pivotal character, like, character, as, character as far as what happens on the planet that they're on. Well, as far as what happens in the rest of the fucking series, dude, uh, there would be no rebellion if they if he didn't steal the plans for the Death Star or if he didn't take the plans from the Death Star uh, from the Empire and and smuggle them to the rebellion. Right. Like and you realize that's one of my favorite things is like how much all of the shit that happened in the next three movies hinged on this (laughs) thread of these plans. Yeah, for sure, man. And that was he, get, cool. you know, he gets him from the guy, takes him to the rebellion, and they didn't even believe him at first, you know. And then this huge battle happens that, like, is clearly the turning point for the entire rebellion, you know. Like, it's like that moment, right? Th- I don't know. We're getting really off topic, but yeah, we spent like probably thirty minutes not talking about anything <laughs> we wanted to. I know, I'm so sorry, <laughs> listeners, no. but uh, dude, uh, okay, if if you guys want to get to know Rhett, you're getting to know him right now, like. <laughs> Rhett, whenever I hang out with Rhett, it's literally a rabbit hole. I'll I'll say one. Everything's a rabbit hole. I'll say one thing that reminds him of something else, and then for the next Dude, hour, we're talking about like the it thing took that hinged everything on that. I had to not go down the rabbit hole of just again philosophy when oh, you were dude. talking about stoicism. <laughs> Uh, well, I guess it shows uh, you that you're more passionate about Star Wars than you are about stoicism. 
But Rhett does um, have a whole podcast basically based on Star Wars, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, check out Duel of Taints if you're interested. Yeah, thanks, thanks for the plug. I was going to talk uh, more about the Han Solo trilogy, but then that's even more off topic. Uh, well, and veering into wait, I, I want to say I want to say one more thing about Rogue One that I really liked right. is that you got to see the dark side of the rebellion a little bit because in the next in the next three movies they're portrayed as like this you know freedom fighting force they're all good guys. The opening scene of Rogue One almost you see a, one of their high ranking agents fucking kill a guy. Yeah, true. To escape. That's true. And I thought that was great. I really loved Cassian's character. And I, 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 like I said, I, I loved coming out of the theater and this Hispanic kid looked up at his dad and said, he talks like you. Yeah, like, that's cool. I thought that was so cool. Right. And then one more last thing about Rogue One. To me, what else I loved about it is that it opens up the Pandora's box of what Star Wars could have always been, which is everything star wars is the self-contained universe and i I, i'm i believe that we're going to get more movies that take place that are that are basically different genres than these like than these space opera epics right yeah like because rogue one was kind of like a like i don't know to me it was kind of reminded me of like those old like commando movies about like world war ii and stuff like it's kind of like a war movie but about i don't know it's kind of like yeah. a war movie but it's also something else but now <laughs> we can get we could get a whole movie i i told Kane this i would watch a movie that was just like one like, battle between the re- rebellion and the empire like spanned out through the whole movie right like yeah um i would Private watch a movie ryan, but i would also watch a movie that star was wars. like more what i said saving private ryan but star wars version right exactly exactly <laughs> dude and I and I also said like I would watch a fucking movie because that's the other thing that it made me think of when Cassian kills that dude at the beginning, is I was like, dude, are we in for some like Jason Bourne shit right now? Like, are we gonna get like spies and stuff? Like, I would watch a spy movie, Star yeah. Wars thing. Uh, you could take any genre of film now and you can apply it to Star Wars and make yeah. a movie out of it. That's and that's the point. thing I'm excited about. Yeah, like we're gonna get just drama Star Wars. I, I was think. that's what like you know, I was thinking was like. How about just a drama or a comedy? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, like you could have the like the robot characters are pretty funny most of the time. Like I forget the robot in Rogue One, what his name was K K two dude. He's yeah. played by Alan Tudyk, who is oh, uh, the pilot in gotcha. uh, Firefly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, just get a whole movie that's about like these odd this odd couple robot group and make dude, it a comedy. We- <laughs> For real, Aren't... you could take any genre, dude. Yeah. I'm I'm predicting like we're gonna have like a Fast and the Furious Star Wars status, dude, where it's all about pod, <laughs> pod racing, racing or like swoop racing. Yeah, I could see it, dude. I mean, like, and, and Star Wars. I've made this comparison now, like recently, where like you know Marvel is just like blowing up, and they're doing literally every possible superhero, and they're just making tons of money. I'm that's not a Disney big, too, man. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of of the Marvel movies overall, just because they now feel like they're all the same. But I think they're to gonna do. <laughs> I know you said that. <laughs> Maybe I might see it, but when it comes I, out, watch it, dude. It'll yeah. blow your fucking mind. All right, but I think they're gonna start doing the same thing with Star Wars. I mean, they're gonna hit the main things that we want up front, like the new trilogy, get the Han Solo story, like Boba Fett, whatever. Um, and then, yeah, maybe they're just going to do every character under the sun. Um, hey, 
as long as they keep telling new and refreshing stories, and if they're as good as Rogue One, like, I'll fucking watch the shit out of them. Yeah. And it, it's like me and Kane talked about this at length. It's like before when you only had the six episodes of Star Wars, it's like everybody shit on the prequels, but we always said like, hey, like more Star Wars is better than no Star Wars. And I think with Disney at the helm, dude, they spent $5 billion to acquire this franchise. Yeah. They aren't going to keep, like they aren't <laughs> going to fuck it up for anybody. Right. Dude. And I kept saying like, well, they're just going to pander to a certain base. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty much, I think the epitome of the viewer, like that they're going after. And if they can satisfy somebody like me, like I think, and they have with, Force Awakens and Rogue One, I think that we're in for a hell of a time, dude, because there's going to be one Star Wars movie a year for, like, the next 40 years. <laughs> yeah, Which it's it's never going to okay end. With. Just slap Star Wars on it, and they'll make a, you know, 100 million, 200 million, a billion dollars. Like I'm okay with it, and yeah. I'm looking forward to the day that we get the first Star Wars story that isn't tied to anything that we have seen. Yeah, that that would be nice. And it'll be like, dude, it'll blow our minds because we're going to be seeing all these things. Like we're going to be seeing the familiar spaceships. We're going to be seeing this familiar weapons and the familiar terms. And but it's going to be brand fucking new, dude. And that's just I cannot wait for that. Yeah, man. And that's what that's what Rogue One opens the doors to. So for sure. Anyway, Black. All right. Well, uh, (laughs) yeah, dude. So uh, that whole thing started about 30 minutes ago when I was like, hey, Brett, do you want to talk about our game? And while I open Visual Studio, which will take me 30 seconds. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, what I was trying to sh- find was the command we used to expand the number of characters we could use. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, what is it? <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. Uh, see, I gave, I gave, it's like I gave you an inch and you took a mile. <laughs> Bro, I'm so sorry. It's just like my podcasting muscles. I like I'm just kidding, they just man. take over. I'm just mention kidding. any topic and I'll do a podcast. I on know it. for real. <laughs> uh, all right. Anyway, so the uh, the command was console dot output encoding equals system dot text dot encoding dot Unicode. So basically, what that does is it it tells the console that we're gonna expand the you know, or we're going to change the, the encoding that we're going to use for our character set. So I think if you wanted to change it to like allow, you know, like Japanese characters or something, you can change the encoding to allow whatever, whatever encoding that one is called. Standard is just UTF-8, I think, which is like mostly ASCII stuff. Um, but Unicode expands that to UTF-16 so that it allows the like spades and hearts and diamonds and clubs. So we put that at the very beginning, basically, of our uh, game class. Like our, we have a play function that gets called instantly, basically, when we open the game. And uh, so it's important to set that before we try to use any of those uni- or those. Uh, UTF-16 characters, otherwise they'll come up as question marks. But like once we did that, once we got that working, dude, we were just like inspired to, yeah, make these cards basically. And so then we we ended up creating a deck of cards class and a card class that basically like builds a standard 52 card deck, um, you know, that has ace through king and then of spades 
hearts, diamonds, clubs. And then, you know, we have like a shuffle or we don't, we don't have a shuffle function. We have a draw top card, which picks a random card off the top of the deck. It something that prints the entire deck. So we have basically the foundation of what a deck of card is deck of cards is and what a card is. So now we can, um, basically program in the logic for the actual blackjack game. So I'm excited for that. In fact, I'm hoping that after we're done podcasting, probably in about four hours, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we can live stream some work on that. Um, That'd be great. Because that was, that was going to bring me to another topic, uh, potentially, which was uh, that we streamed a decent amount of stuff last week. I think it'd be fun if we pushed forward on uh, doing more streaming, whether it's video games um, or coding. Um, I think that'd be fun. So, uh, yeah. Well, I guess really quick before we jump out of this, uh, I wanted to mention uh, we've been writing our getters and setters in our classes, like explicitly. Um, and I found out that we don't have to do that anymore. So like, um, you know, typically like if you wanted to create an instance variable and then open that up outside of the class to, to be accessible, you would create a getter and a setter. Um, and we would write it explicitly. We'd be like, you know, if we have a health instance variable, uh, when I say instance variable, I mean, technically I guess they're called fields. And a field is something that is just viewable to the class itself. Um, so, like, if we had a health field, um, that wouldn't the health field itself would not be opened up to outside access. But you could use a getter or a setter. I think they're called mutators technically, um, or uh, pro these are actually what are properties: getters and setters. Um, you could then allow somebody to get what the health is or reset what the health is if you wanted to. And so we were explicitly defining those would be like, you know, public capital H for health, uh, get, and then return this dot health. That would be our getter for the setter. It'd be like, you know, set, open up the brackets and it'd be this dot health equals value. And then that would allow somebody to be able to set, what the health is outside of the class itself. But there's a shorthand, which I thought was cool, that I learned from R.B. Whitaker's website, um, which is basically just that when you um, create the instance variable, you can just create a property um, instead of the instance variable, instead of the field, and just set that right, right at the beginning of your class or right when you declare it. So it'd be like, you know, public capital H for health um, or public int health equals, so equals, uh, and the brackets get uh, semicolon set semicolon. I'm going to paste this to you, right? Because I don't know if I'm explaining it well enough. <laughs> <laughs> that would just do the right. default behavior for your getters and setters. So it's oh, a sure. shorthand. Nice. It's a lot less work. So it'd probably save us like, you know, almost 10 lines of code per 
field that we have in a class. Right. Anyways, I just thought that was kind of nice. I I remember when oh, I was that's great. when I was teaching you this before, I had thought there was a way to do this. Yeah. But I couldn't remember how. And that was how. And so basically in the background, um, C sharp will make so if it's health, if we've made a health property, it'll make a health field with a lower h, but then you don't ever have to use it. You would just use capital capital H for the property itself. Kind of nice. I, that might be a, not a very good explanation of it, but I wanted to mention that. I learned that this week. Yeah. <laughs> Seems pretty cool, man. Yep. So we'll have to adjust well, that in our code. That's fine. Yeah. Cool. What were you going to say? Good work. Way to learn things. I was going to say, uh, let's close this one out and go to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, in the next one, we will talk a bit about our upcoming game jam, um, some excitement for Twitter, which I thought we were going to hit this time, but we won't, uh, and some other cool stuff. So if you guys have made it through the second part of today's podcast, I congratulate you. Uh, keep yes, with us. Yes, way to go, listener. Um, we'll try to talk more about game development, but uh, you never know with us, so... Hope you enjoy the yeah. ride. Shout out, man. You got extra baller status if you're going to press play on the next one. <laughs> Kuda music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>